Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Song number nine. Oh, now boy. this was a this was a song in high school I treasured, and even saying the title makes me think of my um, high school girlfriend. Shout out, peaceful, easy feeling. Oh, you agree with me, Jeff? Right? That's the worst. <laughs> that was unbelievable. And the thing that cracks me up about it is it's like we'll do the, if we do ACDC, we'll do this again. Where they're literally like, hey, you know what was a big hit? Was Take It Easy. Yeah. We should do more like that. And they were like, yeah, man. Like, yeah, just keep working with it. Like, what? let's riff on the word easy. <laughs> they just, they slap peaceful and feeling and they're like, done and done. That's when a I, hit. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely written by committee. Ellen, I'm sorry uh, for what they've done to us and our memories. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. regular schedule uh, actually we're all back at our homes jeff back at home back flew back went through vegas 107 degrees okay uh, nobody in masks in the smoke-filled uh gambling lounge at mccarran airport very very <laughs> disconcerting dude you have we to understand stayed. it's all about risk management you know it when is. you're yeah, already was... in vegas you've made a clear statement about risk management <laughs> i walked i just walked a circle you know how like it's a two yeah, you know i flew sure. from baltimore to vegas and my legs are all stiff so i just walked a circle around gate c and watched a dude spend a hundred dollars in the slot machine and the time oh yeah i'm gonna walk past him it was impressive I, I i mean living there and seeing people gambling in the grocery store yeah it's like oh dude i'm just just get I like to, I like to do my grocery store gambling the old fashioned <laughs> way by buying Apple Jacks and seeing what will happen. <laughs> uh, ben, you're in Knoxville. Indeed. Uh, your university getting started soon. Yeah, Monday we have orientation, so we're gearing up. Wow. Uh, yeah, we, we've had uh, our football players have arrived on campus. Um, student leaders arrive tomorrow. So things are cranking up here in Asheville. Uh, I for one i'm excited for the school year y'all you for are, one you for one are excited for the school year you got that right brother. working your way up well i wanted to uh share with you we, we haven't spoken about reviews in a while um still doing well 53 five-star reviews for the little podcast that could nice uh, no other ratings uh to speak of besides those 53 five-star reviews woo woo and um i wanted to pay uh call attention to what uh nina said uh she calls this podcast here on itunes uh essential listening and here's what she says three friends one a professional insider one a snob connoisseur and one an everyman jack talk about 50 years of music <laughs> wait Girls. a minute timmy are you I an everyman jack is I that could, what you are i could be the snob i'm not sure oh i'm um, pretty sure by the way do you think that she bracketed jack off or like that's important hey come on i think it's a british expression uh girls high school college work wives kids friendship Tender moments surface occasionally amid the good-natured teasing and posturing. 
Together, the trio has great taste, although it's fun to argue back as you drive alone. That record is your favorite? No way, dude. I think you stuck me up in there. The camaraderie is terrific, but the main reason to listen is much simpler. It's the music. Basically, the brand concept is 60 minutes fly by with three great DJs, although one immediately longs for the other trios. 50 years of music with Southern Girls, 50 years of music with queer Swedes, black mothers, etc. These white dudes should license quickly this franchise, baby. I like huh? it. Get the business department working on it, Tim. I will indeed start having Do they auditions. They all have to be in the... their 50s because it makes it easier to do in some ways. Yeah, I like think it. So. Well, get a smaller applicant pool, I think. 50 years of music with 50 year old queer Swedes. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what we got to do. But I love, I love her coming off the top rope right at the start. The, the professional insider, the snob connoisseur, and the everyman Jack. I can't help but think of Simple Jack from uh, the, the Ben Stiller uh, character from Tropic Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> not called for and not okay. Not because there's it's, any correlation. I understand. All right. Um, all right. Quick Bonnaroo note. No, they, uh, they announced the lineup. They also announced you need. Um, I know uh, we were wrong last week. Yeah. A vaccination a card. Vaccine or a uh, clear test. Uh, and within three days, um, yeah. a negative test. So so good for them. And what's the lineup news you guys had? It's just the schedule. The lineup's been out. But I mean, the, the, the lineup's going to be great. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff every day. Uh, I think yeah, Run Friday's the Jewels, Megan Thee Stallion, day. Glass Animals, Waxahachie, Lizzo, Tame Impala, Phoebe Bridgers, Breland, featured on this podcast. Kevin Brown's yeah, uh, former student. Howard, yes. Tyler, the creator. It's going to be great. Oh, Not wow. to mention Af um, Madhu Mokhtar. Don't sleep on him. Oh, Friday yeah, at totally. 1 o'clock. Uh, the Turcos, Relaine and Light set will be very cool. Um, Pine Grove, Jason Isbell. There's a new oh. jam band to annoy Ben to death at 1.30 in the morning. Is called that Sylvan Esso? No. Uh, Julian <laughs> Baker on Sunday. Leon Bridges. There's a lot of good stuff. Wow. All right. And how far is the drive from uh, Asheville, Ben? Uh, it depends on how fast you go. It's two hours from Asheville to Knoxville, and then it's two to three from Knoxville to okay. uh, Bonner. All right. This is going to hurt me when the next podcast you guys are doing this, like, well, you just had to be there about Bonnaroo, and, and I was not there. That's going to be. Um, um, I feel a cold wind blowing in already. Oh, poor Jeff. That's a that's a shame. All Although right, us insiders can't always be at the actual event. What You're actually being a professional that weekend <laughs> and playing music. Yeah. All right, we are the uh, 50 Years of Music with 50 Year Old White Guys podcast here on the Driving uh, Music City Driving Podcast Network. Check them out for all your podcasting needs and especially your fantasy football needs. Because uh, I've got my draft coming up in two weeks. I don't Are even you playing know. playing fantasy football? Still since like 1994, I started. That's exciting. I'm playing yeah. fantasy it's a labor of love this fall. Actually. Oh, yeah. I've done that with the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah. Great. It's not much fun because I don't know anything. <laughs> and so I get the kids crush. I'm in it with a bunch of my students and they just, it's ugly. They, they follow it. Yeah. All right, well, we got to get going with uh, the Grammy winner. I don't know who it could be. It's the 1970s. Who is producing good enough music to win a Grammy award? It's the Grammy winner. Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder. Back once again. Unbelievable. friendly announcer I have serious news to pass on to everybody so my hot take yeah. this is the weakest of the five Stevie records music wow, of my mind really? talking book fulfillingness inner visions songs songs is a two and a half record set. It was two full albums and then a seven inch 
33 and a third EP with four more songs on it that came okay. tucked in the middle. And uh, there's some there's some filler on here. There's a couple of tunes that have not aged well. The song uh, Black Man, for example, goes on for a really long time. Um, I'm not as huge a fan of every song on here. So I'm as great as this record is. And for any other artist, it would be a a gargantuan accomplishment. I, it's uh -huh. actually my least favorite of wow. these five Stevie records. Well, give me the top three songs on the album. I mean, there's a lot more than three. It's hard I mean, to do that. Like, the, song, the album's amazing. It's maybe, yeah, but there's like I said, there's a couple. So like that song is "Loves and Needs and Love Today." You got "Village Ghetto Land," "Contusions," "Sir Duke," "I Wish," "Pastime oh, wow. Paradise," and "I Wish" is like, oh my god, oh it's unbelievable. Isn't she lovely? Um, <laughs> as another star, it's now, do you, pretty. It's do you think pretty other artists are like, oh man, I'm really proud of this album. I'm excited. You know, maybe the Grammy. And then Stevie puts out another album. They're like, son of a gun. Like, this is his third in four years. There are some artists that people just aren't jealous of because they're just so great. You know, yeah. like some people, like, I don't know how many bands put out a record in 1968 and were like, take that, Beatles. You know what I mean? Like, I think you just do your best. And then some people are working on a whole nother level. I mean, for me, that's Stevie Wonder in the 1970s. Right. So, so hey, Jeff, the next record is the greatest hits record. And then um, the record after that is Hotter Than July. That's when the, the That dip. was my question. What is, what is, like, I remember at one point I went back and did it all. I bought all these records in a row and I bought the next couple studio records and really didn't care for them. Yeah. What's on, what's on Hotter Than July? Uh, the big hit is Master Blaster. Oh, that's not bad. But then, yeah, there's a bunch of filler and ballads and, we are only six years away from the woman in red soundtrack. I yeah. mean, it's a like kabang, bah, 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 bah. like in square circle has part-time lover, but it's got a lot Ooh, of really that song sucks though. That's yeah. Bad. Yeah. And then there's the, <laughs> there's the, um, he puts out journey into the secret life of plants, which is his version of yes's tales of topographic oceans, which is like, what whale songs and sounds and like it gets weird real quick what happened to him like i mean is some sort of crisis i don't know i ben and i have a theory about soul singers and stand-up comedians that you only get like five years to ride the zeitgeist and then you are you're a hack most people like start start aging like a half-life like uranium in the ground um when you're <laughs> this good and so i just think he's he's 30 and it's you know the he's just yeah. not He's gonna have his finger on it anymore. And then because he's such an isolated artist working alone, it can get real weird real quick. And if you give him the wrong sounding keyboards, it's it can get ugly, it can get real 80s real real fast. Okay. So. All right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I feel I like the Jungle think, Fever soundtrack is an underrated comeback. Personally. That's fair. Like, but that, other than that, not much after this. I thought the greatest hits record, I mean, I wasn't like, I wasn't paying attention at the time, but when you look at the discography, yeah. it's clear that he, like, he, he puts out this record and just like Jeff said, it's a two and a half album set with 20, I don't know, how many, like 10 really good songs. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and, but the fact that he includes the extra stuff and then you get the greatest hits record and there's another year before the next record comes out. When this record comes out, he's been on a treadmill. I mean, and he's been running and running and running yeah. and running. And it doesn't matter. I mean, obviously he's a super mega extra genius, but you know, that's a grind. It's a grind to put all of that work out and he was touring and everything else. Right. Like, um, it's understandable that he would, uh, he would fall back a little. The, 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 actually, the weird thing is, the better question is, why do you put out so many great records? <laughs> yes, sure. Yeah, right. Why That's do you put it. all You're these right. great records out in a row? It's how not why the, the next one was bad. It's why this one was good. Yeah, yeah how in the world did true. you do it? That's all right, well, point. in 1976, uh, Star Wars begins filming where? Isn't it in uh, Morocco? Close. I was going to guess Marin County, so I'm a little bit off. 
Tunisia. Tunisia. Is Tunisia. Oh. Tunisia. All right. Um, what happens to the Tower of Power frontman Rick Stevens in 1976? I have no idea. Oh, I like Tower of Power too. Oh, he's a he's arrested in charge with the murder of three men during a drug deal gone bad. It's well, that must Tower have been a real bummer for the rest <laughs> of Tower of Power. Tower That's of Power a tough phone call. <laughs> Had some Tower. trouble there. All right, this is. Is uh, he found guilty? Does he go to jail for that? Yeah, he spent some time in his own Tower of Power. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's rough. Well, um, so Jeff Simons, I have not prompted you. I didn't even prompt you with the Grammy winner or the number one hit. Uh, I haven't prompted you with this question. So this is a test of your musical knowledge. Uh oh. Um, and I'm going to be really impressed if you pull this off. I'm not going to pull this off. You, I've already been called industry insider. I'm bound to face plant number of countries here. We'll in 1976, the 100 Club Punk Festival uh, takes place in England. Can you name the eight bands that played that two-day festival? Eight? Eight. Four on the first day, four on the second. In 1976, the Sex Pistols, the Jam, the Clash, the Ruts, um, ooh, the Slits, uh, the Adverts. Uh, I'm missing right. a couple really obvious ones. I'm out. So that was in Fuego, Jeff. Well done. Well, he's he's not right. So let's calm oh, down there. Better yet, <laughs> they all they, yeah they all played uh, the Hundred Club. They was this is but this is oh the damn must have been there too. Yeah, this is before many of them were signed at all. Right, right. right. So this is a Subway Sect. Subway Sect. Uh, so hold on, no, hold on. Don't say them all. Sham sixty nine was probably there too. Um, nope. No, okay, I'll stop. Uh, Susie and the Banshees. Right, should have gotten that. The Clash and the Sex Pistols, that's day one. Mm-hmm. Day two is Stinky Toy. Nope. Chris Spedding and the Vibrators. Oh, yeah, they made it a little bit. The Damned and the Buzzcocks. Oh, I should have done a, better than that. That's a heck of a festival, though. I should have done a lot better than that. That's too bad. Do you know where it took place? Have you listened to any of those shows or anything like that? There's a there. Those recordings are like kind of unlistenably yeah. rough. There's a lot of bootlegs from that era, but um, they're hard to listen to. But I actually um, thought Susie and the Banshees uh, were from L.A. I had no idea. No, they no, they weren't. They're from London huh. too. Huh. Susie Sue. I really uh, should have gotten the Buzzcocks. That's a uh, the rest of them I can live with. That was that's a bad miss though. They were definitely part of that first wave. Well, you're gonna. Uh, Ben, you're going to steal this musical knowledge uh, little category here and impress us all with uh, what Larry Mullen Jr. posted in 1976 at his Dublin, Dublin High School. What did he post on a wall? He's like Bandmates Wanted, right? Bandmates Wanted! And who comes forward? Bono, bringing the, bringing the edge. And uh, what's the name of the bassist? Adam Clayton. Adam Clayton. That's a good day for rock music history. In They're the only band that's that's been together this long with no additions or subtractions, right? They're the easily the longest running original quartet. There's no wow, fifth guy. Amazing. There's yeah, no, no like lead singer that gets replaced. It's or just, dead drummer. Yeah. Those four guys from 76 to the present day. That's, that's insane. Yeah, it really is. Gosh. You think this podcast has been going on a long time. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's a really long time. All right. Well, let's go to the number one selling album of 1976. How long do you think Ben's going to? Well, I want to see if Ben knows it okay. before I play it. You got it, Ben? Uh, well, uh, I'm, I was going to give you guys dealer's choice on my album. You get okay. to choose which album I do. Okay. okay. Is this potentially one of them? It's. Uh, the two albums you get to choose are the American High Voltage by ACDC or Boston Boston, which I assume is the best-selling record. You are year. incorrect on both counts, although I'm yeah. excited. To I play know Dealer's High Choice. Voltage wasn't the best one. Oh, okay. No. What's the best-selling record of this year? This one. It's the number one album. Frampton Comes Alive by Peter Frampton. Oh! 
sings that line i always have i wonder how you're feeling i believe him that he's wondering how it's not your feeling. favorite song in the record though right do you feel how no, i do, do you feel better but it's yeah. 14 minutes long. I, to find the right clip with no um advanced notice would have been a little tricky <laughs> and this is the uh launch of the the big selling live album the double album this the is du- super similar to the greatest hits thing where all of a sudden now live albums are like, whoa, let's put some more of those. And out. they have yeah. to be doubles. There were live albums before this, but they were the, the show had got truncated down to a single. Totally. But this is like what I love is that not to be outdone. Yes. Puts out yes songs, which is a triple album. of yeah, live What year yes. is the Leonard Skinner live one that's got the, the free bird? What song is it you want to hear? That's the that, next year. huh? Yeah, I think it's the next year because it's. um. Yeah, it's got to be the next year. I love that record. Yeah. With the 14 minute free bird. Oh, yeah. yeah. Believe me. That just keeps on going. Well, as long as uh, you're referencing greatest hits albums, we should note that in 1976, an album came out which became the greatest selling album of all time. Oh, Eagles Hits Greatest One. And that volume is the one, huh? Eagles Greatest Hits Volume One. I would like to, for my good friend, uh, Tish Zurich, um, who you may recall was mortified um, when we started dragging the Eagles, her all-time favorite band. I want to, I want to give the Eagles their due for a minute. Okay, I'll put myself on mute. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. So what I'm going to do is I am going to name a title, uh, the track listings from their greatest hits album, and you just immediately say. Yes or no, whether you could survive listening to this song for a day. Okay, oh, a whole day? Okay, half a day, and, a lunch hour. And How's dude, that? you're not going to do volume two? Do volume two. Help your friend out. Volume one <laughs> is like, if you do lying eyes, I make it 30 seconds. I can't, 30 I seconds, I'm poking my ears out. <laughs> lying like, eyes. There's Jeez. no way. Here's what we got. We got Take It Easy. Uh, okay, I can listen to that for a Yeah, that song's fine, fine. Lion right. Eyes is extra not okay. All right, we got Witchy Woman. Oh, Jesus Christ. Disaster. <laughs> okay. Then, uh, so Lying Eyes, you're out on Lying Eyes. Yes. yes. Too much That's the worst one yet. Do you agree, Jeff? Yes. I would oh. rather listen to Loggins and Messina's Angry Eyes long version than <laughs> Lion Eyes. Okay, remember, we're trying to give the Eagles their due here. Oh, well, then I should really mute okay. myself. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Um, what about Already Gone? Seems like a good rock That's song. That's not bad. I, I mean, yeah. I, it's, like, I yeah. can listen to that twice, maybe yeah. three times. I can, I'll make it through. I'll make fun of it the third time for sure, but I can All make right. it. All right. I'm scared of this one. Desperado? So unacceptably... <laughs> like pablum and, one thing that's uh, really good about desperado uh, i'm actually looking at the track list uh-huh. three and a half minutes it's really <laughs> yeah, likable about it, it feels like it's 20 minutes long well dude that's what i thought i was like just this yeah. i know like, I was like, like the beginning is half like the song but dude jeff uh over <laughs> under five minutes and 45 seconds for lion eyes oh my god i have no idea i would assume uh under but it's, under. Oh, it's over baby 622 <laughs> that song is 622 for lion eyes how many verses are there uh, it's telling a very complicated story I'm about a, a woman prick who hates women that's the whole story of that song the and it end. takes six minutes man you can't oh squeeze that out in three um oh my god so what he's having an affair with her but she's sleeping with an old rich dude but she's lying to both of them and so women are bad. Is that the, is that the story? You're bringing a lot of deep knowledge of it, Tim. Okay, yeah, I like that. Up. You're helping me uh, out. All right. One of these nights. I love one of these one nights. Of these I nights. saw two guys stripped to it in a, in the middle of the street in Hawaii at one o'clock <laughs> in the morning. And it was the greatest music video never made. And I love that song. And I'm, the not, bass, I'm not crazy about that. Joe one. Walsh plays the bass line, which is why the bass line is so great on that song. Okay. So, uh, Tequila Sunrise, which I'm not Awful. sure I remember. Now my new is. least favorite. I would rather listen to Lion Eyes. No, no, dude, wait sunrise. until you get to track nine. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> track nine is easily the worst one. It can't be gonna... anything worse than no. Tequila Sunrise. I, and All also, right. like, I, I, I'm gonna, li- I'm gonna, we could have a bet. 
and I'll be like, you'll hate track nine more, and I'll let you decide. You're going to have to agree with me that okay, track right. nine is worse. Right. Can we do songs about drinks? One of these episodes, Pina Colada song. Yeah, Tequila we can do that. That'd be pretty right. fun. Um, number eight is Take It to the Limit. Take it. I, and honestly, you pair that with Desperado. One problem is it's 447. <laughs> yeah, it goes it's on for another sing, minute longer. I guarantee you, you'll think that song's over and then they'll do it one more time. Yeah. It happens over. I, I had to cover that song playing for a guy once. He was like, we're going to encore with Take It to the Limit. And I thought he was kidding. And I burst out <laughs> laughing. He's like, what's so funny? I'm like, we're going to do that on purpose in front of people. And you do that. Take it to the limit. You do that like 37 times. It's like they can't touch this of the Eagles catalog. It's, it goes on forever. All right. Song number nine. Oh, now, boy. this was a this was a song in high school I treasured. And even saying the title makes me think of my um, high school girlfriend. Shout out. Peaceful, easy feeling. Oh, you agree with me, Jeff, right? That's the worst. That was unbelievable. And the thing that cracks me up about it is it's like we'll do the, if we do ACDC, we'll do this again, where they're literally like, hey, you know, it was a big hit was take it easy. Yeah, we should do more like that. And they were like, yeah, man. But yeah, just keep working with it. Like what? Let's riff on the word easy. <laughs> They just they slap peaceful and feeling and they're like done and done. That's what a I, hit. What I don't understand is I'm already standing on the ground. Yeah. As if you weren't like did the peaceful, easy feeling pull you down out of the clouds like Willy Wonka right. in the thresher? Yeah, exactly. That's, that line He's makes grounded. no sense at all. I get a peaceful, easy feeling every time you're around and I'm already standing on the ground. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely written by committee. Uh, yeah that's that's up there with i am i said to no one well, there and no one heard me not even the chair that is uh, a really really uncomfortable ellen event. i'm sorry uh for what they've done to us and our memories what's track 10 is it end with peacefully and Zipping then it no, no. ends with best of my love oh, that song's yeah <laughs> but right. when it when volume two comes out let's re repeat timmy this there's at least okay. two good songs on volume two Okay. Oh, is Timothy B. Schmidt not in the Eagles yet? Huh. And that's what? when the whole thing turns around, baby. Yeah, totally. Timothy no, B. So, Schmidt. So all they've got is Glenn Fry, Bernie Lennon, Randy Meisner, Don Henley, and Don Felder. All they've got. All those guys are so Where's famous. Joe Walsh? He doesn't join. He joins for one of these nights. He's on that track, but huh. he's a late addition too. Joe Walsh is too busy being in the James Gang. Oh, being an actual right, rock and roll right. star before he uh, joins the Eagles. Actually, I'm looking at it again, and 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 I'm, I might have overranked volume two. I like the long run, <laughs> and I can stand Seven Bridges Road. Uh, but yeah, other than that, it's tough. How do you like the Greeks don't want no freaks? I can't wait. To <laughs> That's not on that volume time. two. That's not on volume two. They decided to slip Victim of Love in oh, where that would have gone. Oh, that's such a bad one. By oh, the way, dude. Those, those again, not even close. 50 Track songs five. about hating people, hating women, and then their big hit is Victim of Love. I mean, oh unbelievable. Again, not even touching track five, the sad cafe. Oh, <laughs> five oh, minutes me. and 34 seconds of sad cafe. Nice. Making me miss the abandoned luncheonette. <laughs> like I was like, oh, I, it could be abandoned. That would be way better than it being oh, sad. That's amazing. That's what the name of that's me listening to the Eagles at a coffee shop. Right. I am the sad cafe. <laughs> All right, listeners. I promise you, if this is like a first time listener, like, Jesus Christ, these guys are mean. Um, and we're not just a <laughs> poop on the Eagles podcast. We do this is the year Hotel well. California came out, too, right? Right. Why do they have? Are they changing labels? Why do they? No, they, were, yeah, they wrapped up. They knew Hotel California was going to be such a enormous hit that they knew they could wrap up the one era and then coattail into the next record okay. they're very they are brilliant businessmen the eagles there's no okay. question about it man they the really hell freezes over tour unbelievable great, great label the All first right. 100 dollars ticket in rock history was hell freezes over was it the eagles charged a hundred dollars for the first 20 rows and everybody laughed like no one will pay a hundred dollars to see a rock concert and this sold Whoops. out in three hours <laughs> All right. Um, finally, uh, who died for 1976? We're going back to deaths. Um, births was too chunky. But by the way, last week's podcast, 
I want to go out on a limb because I listen to it. I'm going to say it's the best podcast we've ever done. No way. Yeah. Oh, I said great. it. Yeah. I like it. Marketing department. Me that's too. Awesome. <laughs> Have you listened to it, Ben? Yeah. I thought it was great. It's really, really. I mean, we, we had the toilet humor. We have the existential crisis. Like we had it all. It was great. All right. Um, so these are people who died in 1976. I'll say the key words. Guess when you've got it. Communism. Mao. Yes, Mao is correct. Second person. Novelist. Mystery. Agatha Christie. Agatha Christie is correct. You know what else also? She was at the 100 Club Festival. Nobody knows that. It's a little known <laughs> fact about Agatha Christie. <laughs> There's been a murder in the green room. Everyone points at the sex festival. All right. Um, sorry. <laughs> That's sorry. good. Um, philosopher. Germany. Being there. Heidegger. Oh. Heidegger is correct. Look Very at good. Ben Barton with the highbrow pull. Also the Nazi. Uh, unfortunate. But good job. That's it. Two to one. Heidegger should be worth like four points. I mean, that's an <laughs> important person. He got it from being there? I know. It's good. I read that book. Ah, it's good. All right. Our three albums. Our three albums. Jeff, take it away. All right. So um, I am going to uh, go with an artist that released not one, not two, but three albums in 1976. Um, and this is kind of, and uh, you take all three records together and you have uh, probably a record and a half of terrific music. Okay. Um, but I want to give this guy a shout out and also do a little you know, connecting some dots. So 1976, you've already pointed out the punk thing has started. It's totally underground. None of these bands have record deals yet. The first punk single is going to come out in December. It's the Dams uh, record. And, um, but it's the happening, right? England is, has fallen apart. There's a terrible recession. There's rampant unemployment and people are either going hard right towards the national front or hard left towards this kind of uh, neo, you know, anarchist nihilist thing. Um, people are not feeling uh, the good times in England in the 70s. And what has happened is the, uh, music has kind of splintered out. Like, you know, Ben pointed out, you got bands like Bad Company in 1974, you've got Led Zeppelin, you've got these big bombastic machines that are rock stars, right? Like eight members and they're progressive rocks at its height. and a rock tour is, you know, lasers and giant stacks and, you know, kids can't afford that equipment and they can't afford to go see that stuff. So they're getting, you know, things start to scale back. In addition to the kind of punk rock scaling down and in addition to the folk rock scaling down that we covered with Nick Drake and with Richard and Linda Thompson, there's a whole return to straight up rock and roll, three chords in a cloud of dust, like rock and roll, rockabilly. It's called pub rock. And because it's played in pubs, Ooh. we have to speed this up. My daughter made a cake and I'm, mm. Wait, oh my God, that's good. Whose birthday um, is it? No one. She was just like, I'm baking a cake and no one never say no when your daughter says she's baking a cake. Dude, um, so anyway, there's, um, there's a whole pub rock scene going on. These are guys who are like 19 to 24 and they're not punk rockers because there isn't punk rock to do yet, but they're sick of the big, huge uh overblown swollen rock thing so they start putting these little combos together and they're playing two minute three minute songs they're playing old 50s covers they're making their own stuff and they got silly names like chili willie and the red hot peppers there's a guy named brinsley schwartz who puts a band together who has a lot of guys but uh they and they're it's all centered around this club called the hope and anchor and a guy named charlie gillett who's got a bbc sunday night radio station called the honky tonk starts telling these guys, hey, look, if you can, you can scrape demo tapes together, I'll play them on the air, you know? And then, you know, because it's England, if the BBC plays your demo tape on a Sunday, 
Monday morning, you've got three record companies calling you like, hey, you want to make a record? And so the Charlie Gillett show will launch the careers of Elvis Costello, Nick Lowe, Dire Straits, and this guy, a guy who um, belongs in the conversation with all these guys. Joe Jackson belongs in this group, like this kind of first round of, of British, not quite punk, not quite rock and roll, what they'll end up calling new wave artists. But Graham Parker is the first one to make a record. Hey, he makes her she makes three records, three records in 1976. The debut Howlin' Wind, the follow-up four months later called Heat Treatment, and a live record called Live at Marble Arch, where you really get a good sense of what this kind of pub rock thing sounds like. So um, Graham Parker cherry picks the best players from all these other bands. He gets uh, a dynamite rhythm section together. He gets a really great lead guitar player and the rumor hang in there with him for five years. Their career culminates with a great record in 1979 called squeezing out sparks, but I'm a big fan (laughs) of everything he does from 76 to 79. Um, And so I'm going to play you a little bit of what they sounded like live. So you can get a sense of what this pub rock thing sounded like, and you'll recognize the song, but you probably won't recognize the arrangement. And then I will play you what I think is the best song from that year that Graham Parker uh, did. But first of all, just to give you a sense of what what pu- the pub rockers were about is they were paying homage back to uh, stuff from five, 10, 15 years ago and kind of pushing it through um, rock and roll instruments rather than like the soul review thing. So here's, here's the rumor uh, live in 1976. <laughs> I didn't want you around Those pretty faces always make me stand up in a crowd Someone picked you from the back So you can hear, right? It's that's like 76? That electric, that's 76. It's got the Dang. electric keyboard, two guitars, um, kind of a uh, kind of unassuming lead vocal. Like the whole idea was uh, bar band sound, but a little bit, you know, with a... Uh, a little bit of a twist. So when new wave starts to have, when punk starts to hit Parker falls in love with it. And he's the first one to try to take this kind of pub rock thing and push it through a slightly more aggressive filter. So on Howlin' Wind, you've got a couple of country tunes. You've got a couple of straight up rock and rollers. You have a couple of ballads, but by far and away, the most interesting song is the song that closes the record, which is called don't ask me questions, which is a conversation between Parker and God where he's um, uh, it's not unlike Randy Newman's God song, where he's imagining this conversation where God is like, why can't you all be better? And Parker's like, if you looked around and saw the world you put us in, um, you have, you know, you're not the one who has, who should be asking questions. So I'm just going to play verse and chorus. Um, This song's got a reggae feel to it because um, reggae had blown up at this point and the clash have fallen in love with it. And so the, all these punk new wave artists, are trying to figure out how to take reggae skank, but rather than imitate it and making Jamaican turn it into to North London. And so here's my pick for 76, the underheralded, underrated, but uh, wonderful Graham Parker and the Rumor. Howlin' Wind by Graham Parker and the Rumor. Jump ahead a little bit. Bitch to the 
Why does why does reggae reggae hits in England before the states, right? Yeah, kinda, because it's uh, an English label that signs Marley and puts uh, him out in 1973. Yeah, it hits okay. in Europe and England. It doesn't really blow up in America until after until Marley's legend? dead in '81. Okay. And but uh, but it's already like over the top popular in England by 76 and 77. So. Yeah, but all the white guy covers of it. I yeah. Mean, who shot the sheriff by Clapton was a pretty big hit. Yeah, that really yeah. helped. I mean, that that I think I think I shot the sheriff's probably the first time most most white people heard reggae for sure. Very promising for them. That worked yeah. out great. Yeah. And so here's really here's good. Graham Parker first singing the Jackson 5 and now doing reggae. And then he'll have a hit with a cover of the Tramps Hold Back the Night. Like there's a white soul thing going on here that he actually in talks about in some of his songs like okay you know. uh ben i i noted a shake of your head are you not a no, Graham Parker not, fan ben. no i don't like this guy so th this uh we've discussed <laughs> this before where it's like there there's a genre and you, in, in depending on the person like for me this is this genre I, I like some Elvis Costello, not all Elvis Costello. And that's they're a bad sign right off the gate, right? right. Like if Jackson, you love every Elvis Costello yeah. record through and through and through, then you're not going to like this. Um, and then the, the Joe Jackson, the first Joe Jackson record, that's a, that's a legit, super good record that's got multiple good songs on it. Okay. And as soon as you get below those guys, I start losing interest. I actually went back to go call back to the Nick Drake thing. I was like, how did I screw that up? Like, how did I hear this record and not like it? And then... I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, you know what? I never heard that record because I got Nick Drake and Nick Lowe mixed up. <laughs> Jeff was like, you should check out Nick Drake. And I was like, dude, you already told me to check him out. And you were like, no, no, no. And I was like, that, that, they, that sucks <laughs> because I thought it was Nick, Nick Lowe. Lowe. Totally. That is so good. This is perfect. And, and, and I, I say that as a cautionary tale to not be me. Like I can be close-minded and annoying. That being said, <laughs> I've listened through this material really carefully and I just don't care for it at all. Yeah, fair and the enough. Sparks one, whatever that record is, like I listened, that's one of those ones that, that Jeff beats on really hard. And so I've listened to that through a couple of different times and it just doesn't translate to me at all. And basically it's like, it's like the, the like I, this genre I'm meh on. And so once you get to the third or fourth best person in this genre, then I'm out. It makes sense. Like this is the same thing with me and some of like some of your favorite stuff. Like, I, you know, you get to the fourth level of something and I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah. Once you get to white lion, you're like, well, I don't really care for this pen. And I'm like, I don't understand why white lion's amazing. That's exactly. It's perfect. <laughs> I can't believe you're trying. I, see what he did there though. He's trying yeah. to get me to agree that Graham Parker and Li white lion. White lion. Artists, yeah. <laughs> that's, I'm going to let it go. Cause that's he's a actually lawyer thinking, trick right this there. Is a, I knew a I was teeing myself up for it. Um, I actually am just getting paid back for First being all, nicer about bad White company. Lion's Little Fighter is better than any Graham Parker show. <laughs> that's, well, the oh moment God. in the that's, video where she kicks the guy fact. in the balls is better oh, yeah. than any moment ever. So, you know, you might be right. Is Marshall, that is the White Lion video, right? Where she kicks the promoter in the balls yeah, really totally. hard. That's oh, so great. Is Marshall Crenshaw in this group? No, Marshall Crenshaw is an American. Um, Son of a gun. And uh, he he's a little British? lady. 83 83 no he's from new jersey <laughs> a lot I think of that's fine though tim i would I'm, I'm happy to let you lump them in yeah, yeah maybe okay. so we're coming back to this genre in a couple years don't worry oh, we'll boy, have more wait. we'll have more can't fun. wait what know, is right? the what is the difference between a snob and a connoisseur it's interesting <laughs> point of view i think <laughs> anyway, it's interesting <laughs> your little like evil snicker there was not called for given <laughs> that i'm the connoisseur all right <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, and now we turn it over to the connoisseur, who's going to either pick. It's Boston. dealer's choice, my friends. Dude, I, when you, we talked about ACDC, when uh, Tim picked, it's the long way to the top. I would love to hear your take on the first Boston, Boston record, "Dancing in the Streets of Hyannis." Baby. Yeah. Oh no! All right, so I'm happy to do this. All right, let's do it. Awesome. Okay, so awesome. the good news about Boston, Boston is. I don't know, maybe there was a three to four month period really right on top of the um, Bad Company period where this was my favorite record. This is a, just like Bad Company, like a total classic rock warhouse, uh, warhorse. Like this record, I went back and listened to it today and I was like, good Lord, all of these songs get played on classic rock. Radio. All of them, like, even literally Hitch every ride, single one. Unthinkable. Just, oh, yeah. dude, they just punish you with this album. Um, and yet, and also, this was critiqued as, as corporate rock and was lumped in with Bad Company, but it's actually weirdly the exact opposite yeah. of Bad Company. So the 
the guy, it's a single guy's vision, this Tom Schultz guy. And so he's a MIT undergrad, MIT master's degree engineer who's working at Polaroid. And he's a classically trained pianist. And in 69, he gets into rock music and he's playing in these bands in Boston while he's working at Polaroid. Does it for a couple of years and they're going nowhere. And so he's like, I need to stop playing in other people's bands and I didn't make my own music. And so he spends, I don't know, three, four years while he's working at Polaroid, creating a home studio and recording his own tracks. And I mean, he is an insane person. Yes. Like, here's an example of him being an insane person. First of all, okay. his first wife, and this is a hard exclamation point from the South, bless her heart. They're living in this tiny crappy house and they're saving up money for a new house and they've got almost the whole down payment. And she's like, well, I thought we might go out looking for houses this weekend. He's like, I'm sorry, um, we can't do that. And she's like, what do you mean? Why? And he's like, well, we don't have the down payment anymore. And she's like, what happened? And he's like, I, I fixed up the studio. I got an eight uh, track in the studio. Like uh, he blew <laughs> their uh, deposit no. money on the studio. Uh. And uh, the, the, the only guy who makes it from this period, Brad Delp, who's the singer, who I think is unfortunate is part of the reason why Boston gets a bad rap is because he's so cheesy. He's really a discount um, bad company singer. Like it, okay. the singing is so cheesy. The guitar parts are amazing and the production of it is amazing. Anyhow, Especially because he did it in a, in a fucking basement. Dude, it he's just sounds hanging like he out in a basement by himself. Dollars. And he's it's doing amazing. everything all himself. He personally did, did his wife stick with him. I think they stayed together in, until they were famous, but then they got divorced later. Uh, I mean, hopefully she got her gravy out of it for sure. Okay, yeah. okay. They made huge bank, except the guy was such a fruitcake. He spent the bulk of his fortune on lawyers litigating with CBS and their former manager. Yeah. <laughs> He's just uh, an insane person. Dude, there's a whole, if you take, if you look up Boston band lawsuit, it, it's un. It's why there's no third record for 11 years because they're, he's just a fruitcake suing his own label for turning him into a multimillionaire. It's yeah, so no. weird. Yeah. Huh. That being said, uh, the sheer. So anyhow, he's recording this. He's got the demos and he sends it out to every record company in America. And this actually really reminded me. It's a great book by the screenwriter, William Goldman, who wrote Princess Bride and um, Butch, Butch Cassidy. Cassidy. And it's, oh, you actually know this, Timmy, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, I can't remember the name of the great book. But anyway, in the great book, he's describing the screenwriting trade. And he's like, the famous quote is, no one knows anything. Like the people who choose the movies to make the movies are idiots and have no idea. And it's a thousand percent true for the record industry. Not only, he got letters back rejecting it. That, that, in, that included the names of the songs and descriptions of the songs, meaning that an A&R person listened to this record and was like, oh, that's that's not for us. Um, uh, I, I think, I can't remember CBS, but one of the records actually came back and like, you have nothing new to say at all. And I mean, dude, from the first note of the guitar, you're like, well, that's something new. Like the yeah. guitar <laughs> sound on this record creates hair metal. <laughs> this guitar sound is so unbelievably crisp and clean and perfect and it's a little bit along the the fender gibson lines um where you oh it's have... a les paul like sustaining through time totally well, right but where he's like he's like like he, he says actual mission in life is to be a guitar tech like he just spent yeah. all his time creating a new guitar sound um he get they, they finally through a friend of a friend of a friend, it gets to an ARI guy who actually listens to it. And this guy then brings it to another guy, to another guy, to, to Sire and then to CBS. And when they actually listen to it, they're like, wait, this is available to us? Like this, this band hasn't been signed? So then they're like, oh, as long as they can play this live, because yeah. it's the 70s, oh, no. we'll sign them. So they go back to him and he's like, wait, I have to do what? And they're like, play it live. And he's like, but there's, there's no band, it's me. It's just me and Brad Delp. That's it. I can't play all the instruments. And also, I don't know if you know, it takes me a long time to set up. Like, it takes me four years to create anything. A record. Four so, years to make this record. Right. So anyhow, they, he literally just like calls in the guys from Boston. 
but like guy and oh and also they're called like wishing well i can't remember the name of the stupid band but they don't have a name yet so they go in they play in a warehouse the AR guys are like wow that that's great those songs are great and honestly i i just can't imagine how they didn't get signed earlier like these yeah. songs are freaking hits uh anyhow they get signed and he fires all of those guys he records it all himself the the um the the label it, he's like so when he gets signed he's like so just put out the demo and they're like what are you talking about that's not what the demo you have to re-record it the, the demo sucks and he's like oh no, no, no that's it that's the <laughs> and they're like no no, no you like we, we're assigning you a producer and you have to go to la so he meets with the producer and i can't remember the name of the guy but the producer's like wow the demo really is pretty good and he's like yeah man i just want to keep with the demo and do some overdubs in my home studio and the producer's like i'll tell you what I'm going to give you half of the money for the production of it. And I'm going to keep half of it and do nothing. You're going to cut the entire record and you're going to mail it to me in LA and I'm going to turn it in in LA as if we recorded it there. And that's what they did. Shut <laughs> it's up. It's the best deal of all time for Greatest both sides of it. Shell game ever. No, that's amazing. It is, it's literally a win-win negotiation. Like the producer does nothing. Except he's the producer of this gargantuan, massive twenty million—you know, the biggest debut album of all time. So he didn't—he didn't really re-record it. He no, just did some overdubs. One song, the, the, yeah. the last song, "Let Me Take You Home Tonight." They record in LA. That and that's the Brad Delp song, and that song sucks. Oh, so <laughs> they record that out in LA with the band. But everything else is continuing to be just done by Tom Schultz in his home studio. He like works on it, works on it, works on it. They put it out. And it's a gargantuan, massive, this is spectacular insane. hit. I, I'm so that. And the thing that I love about, so first of all, I'm a huge fan of Monomania. I'm a huge fan of insane people. Like, I just love this story that this guy did this. It's a little bit sad that he, the second record sucks. And then the third record is like, good Lord. That song, Amanda. One of the greatest reviews of an album of all time was of the third Boston record, which is called Third Stage. And the reviewer said, it tells you everything you need to know about a record that it took nine years to write and record. And the first word spoken is babe. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, awesome. Um, so there's some dogs on this record. I would, I, I, under no circumstances, would I listen to this record on purpose. I did love this record back in the day. And it is one of those classic rock records where when I hear it on the, on the radio, I'm like, Oh, all right. And in particular, the four-play long-time combo. Jeff, I'm going to ask you to play. Just skip to minute twenty to, to second twenty. It doesn't even matter where you choose in four-play. So unbelievably awful. It's Carouselaramba again, right here. Oh, just stop, 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 stop. No, no, you're you're hurting my feelings. So again, he's a classically trained pianist, and there's a lot of hideous keyboards on this album. And the, the keyboard sound, solo is two minutes and five seconds. I long. know the keyboard sound is also sadly very influential, and I mean that truly. Like this keyboard sound continues on into the '80s. That you hear how that sounds just like 90210, the, the Yes record. Like it's a disaster. 90210. I, 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 I wish it was that, called that. I hate that keyboard <laughs> sound. Um, the guitar sound though is an all-timer. I think it's like, uh, started like five minutes, 20 seconds on foreplay long time. Boston by Boston. So um, (laughs) here's the thing that's crazy about it is he's actually not that great a technical guitarist. Like he's not fast. He's not amazing. The record sounds so fantastic that he sounded like the best guitar player in 1976. Like this is a year before Van Halen one comes out. Yeah. And uh, this sound, like just the production that he squeezes out of that machine. And then this, the the long time also has my favorite part with the uh, acoustic guitar, the ding, ding, I encourage you when you go back and listen to it, the hand claps are what really jump in that yeah. moment. And th- you can tell that this is the guy who spent three years on the record. Like the claps sound so good, so perfect. They're of even tone. It's like before there's a drum machine and yet it sounds just so perfect. Uh, so I, he drove, 
he drove Brad Delp crazy getting the vocals. There's a part of the original liner notes of the album is a list of the mistakes that Scholz had to correct in mixing. And it includes oh. 231 microphone pops that <laughs> Delp made singing like, like pee pops. So, you know, that Delp, oh. Delp had to sing these songs a million times before Scholz was <laughs> like, I think that's a keeper. <laughs> well, and the funny thing is that Delp had quit. Delp quit the band and was tired of it. Schultz had to beg him before they got signed. Schultz had to keep begging him to come back to the studio. Like I have new material, we'll sing it. And he was like, I don't know, man. This is really not working out for me. Wow. This is an amazing story. And then they become the first rock concert attended by a young Jeff Simons. Oh, wow. is that true? Boston That's on the Don't Look Back tour in 1978 at the United States Naval Academy with Sammy Hagar. Well, that's the, the one where your, your dad, your dad tried thought Sammy make, Hager yeah. was Boston and yeah. tried hey, to leave. Yeah, <laughs> I actually looked this up to try to figure it out. I can't imagine that Schultz enjoyed playing live. I, I would imagine that right. it would have been, in fact, excruciating for him to have to perform this material live. Lost of control, players was that, that couldn't clear? do it right. I mean, I guess you were a little kid, but I mean, was that, did you know, was that what it they was like? They blew me away. For me, it was like entering Valhalla. Like, my memory of that was it was the loudest, most spectacular thing I'd ever heard in my life. I've, I have searched for the tape of that show or a tape from that tour. I have scoured the internet and the... There's a pretty decent sounding tape from the year before and they they're fine, but it lacks the perfection huh. and the well, majesty. Right now, let's, let's use sure the internet. Put a plea of, out to our audience, Jeff Simons. If anybody's got Boston on the Don't Look Back tour 1978, if you've got a tape of that. Um, Tweet out. Perhaps, us. in fact, you are yeah. a member of Boston. Like, oh, hook me up, brother. I want to hear that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I thought they were amazing. I mean, and they were big and loud and wonderful. And um, but and they were, you know, they were marketed as a, a journeyman band that had finally broken through. And right, you know, but they weren't. That's they how were I've always pictured them. Basement, well, dude, and that's the thing that's hilarious. Basement rock, demo tape becomes well, rock Megan and roll Millions band song. make he's like dancing in the streets of high end. Everyone's yeah. lining up to see us, yeah, except right? they didn't because they didn't play live for four years. <laughs> I just lived <laughs> in my basement making this sound like it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, and dude, the lyrics like i mean he wrote all the lyrics too like that one's super corny um smoking is a disaster smoking like, there's multiple songs about like you stuck with me like there's a beautiful there's several beautiful love songs to his wife where he's like you stuck with me and, and nobody else believed in me and i'm so I sorry i sold the down i gave up the down payment <laughs> <Totally>. money <laughs> yeah hey Cannot before we go i got one it. high voltage story that i absolutely positively have to tell it made me laugh out loud i never heard it before all right okay Jeff, uh, do you know the chord progression and high voltage and the story to it? I don't. Dude, talk to me. In 1993, Angus Young shared the origins of the title track with Vic Garabini in Guitar for the Practicing Musician, which that sentence alone made me <laughs> laugh really hard. I was like, we're off to a really good start when you're sharing with Vic Garabini in Guitar for the Practicing Musician. Anyhow, colon, quote, and I won't do the Australian accent. I remember sitting home one night before going into the studio and playing around with some chords, which, by the way, if you've heard any ACDC songs, you're like, well, that that's pretty much what he does. Like he's yeah. just hacking around with very simple chords. And I suddenly thought, let's try playing A, C, D, C. Sounded good. Sounded good. <laughs> oh, my God. And then I thought, A, C, D, C, power, high voltage. That's how they make that stupid song. Isn't that the greatest? That is the uh, greatest is thing I've awesome. ever heard. That's even better than Bad Company, Bad Company, Bad that Company. That really is. That's when your band's name is Chords, and you're like, you know what we should do is play the band's name. <laughs> That's a hit. <laughs> Phenomenal. Oh, that makes me so happy. And he came to it accidentally. Like, it wasn't like... No, hey, he's like, know, he's hashing around thinking about, I'm in ACDC. Wait. A-C-D-C. A -C -D -C. You know, it reminds me of Les Nesman, like, reading the banner in the Thanksgiving episode. W-K-R-P. Oh, what a sight, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, all right, man. Timmy, do A plus, A so plus great. my friend. All right. Are we all sitting down? Because in 1976... Boss Skaggs oh, produces <laughs> Silk. Timmy, no. Let's go. Can't we have dealer's choice? Is there no. something else? Well, 
Dealer's choice. Do you want the clip to be Lido or the lowdown? <laughs> Just let Jeff choose. Hello. <laughs> Crickets. Let's uh, do load. Lido Shuffle is actually a fun song. Let's do lowdown because it it's so Boz Skaggs. It's so like okay. hot, hot LA highway at 2 a.m. with like an a pound of cocaine dust in your mustache, like Silk Degrees by Boss Gags. <laughs> oh, dude. listen to that hi hat, man. These are some fancy LA cats. Oh, I love that whirly singing back and forth, left to right. Just imagining Kermit the Frog. It, it is kind of like if Steely Dan made a Muppet record. That's what that would sound like. That's what that sounds like to me. I have, first of all, first of all, Timmy, there is one unquestionably spectacular Boz Skaggs song, and it's called Loan Me a Dime. And it's from the first Boz Skaggs record. And, and Dwayne Allman plays slide guitar in it like his life is in danger. It is fantastic. Wait, what's it called? Say it again. Loan Me a Dime. Boz Skaggs, right. Loan Me a Dime. That song is in the Pantheon. And uh, um, I don't like, I mean, Lido's fun, but I, I actually gave this record a real chance because I know that you really like it. But I yeah. just find it like. I just feel like I can hear the little cocaine spoon like in his chest hairs on the whole record. It's such a like, it's <laughs> such a time capsule. Hairs. That's Boz Skaggs. He used to own this club in the city that we all played called Slim's and uh, he sold it. And now it's a, um, it's a happier place. Thing. Yeah, it's like a juice bar now or something like that. But uh, I mean, he hey, was Jeff, around. What is the, what's generally considered the, the birth of disco? What's the first disco song? Uh, probably uh, The Hustle by Van McCoy, right? What year is that? 76, 75. This sounds real proto to me. That sounded yeah. like early, and I don't mean that as praise. Like, this is the, the type of no, disco no, we, I don't like, but <laughs> we, we it does it. sound sort of forward-looking. This is The Hustle here. Ready? Takes a while to warm up. Oh, yeah. Got the flute, too. That's a tough get, right? There. Go to uh, go to Georgia. Come on, let's get the audience on on uh, Boss Gag's side here with Georgia. It's the first time that comes up. Oh, oh. How do they do that? That's great. Georgia, I swear I've never seen such a smile. It just keeps getting worse, man. Don't so play great, another man. song from that record. It's right. not going to improve. For for the listeners, I will be on Discord uh, listening to this album live if you want to come by and, and have a glass of wine. And we'll that all listen fun. to it together. Away you know from what that song reminds me of? And, and this is a compliment is Brandy by Looking Glass. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Brandy. You're a fine girl. It's just kind yeah. of a much better, fancier, more professionally recorded version of that. That's a compliment. Thank I like Brandy. You. That, that was good. That was good. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> a coked out professional version. All right, guys. Um, Jeff, you're going to go off and eat cake. 
I am. I just got the um. I just got the the look too. I just got Uh-oh, the like. I'm dude, sorry. Okay, you go. Dinner. You go. All right. Uh, come we on. We will go get see em. you all in 1977. Things Indeed. are getting good, by well the way. Well done, brothers. We're gonna talk about some really, really good music in the next four or five years. I'm super excited. It's gonna be awesome. Great. Awesome. Starting with a stranger. Oh, and 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 there, <laughs> there's the deflation. That was awesome. By the way, uh, I I looked at the turnstiles cover for like. 20 minutes today just looking at all the different <laughs> people going through the turnstiles it's like it poor Billy man sergeant pepper it's like if you want to make the sergeant pepper cover but you have like 25 dollars, it becomes turnstiles <laughs> <Don't you think? laughs> all right guys right. hey yeah. love you guys See you later on, my brothers Bye-bye. thanks for listening to 50 years of music with your old white guys here on the music city driving podcast network if you like this one Go ahead and give us a review at iTunes and check us out on Twitter and Facebook. Please. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Cast. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electric Cast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electric Cast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Electricast.